You found your way to the intersection of faith and the culture. This is Wall Builders Live, where we talk about today's hottest topics on policy and faith and the culture, always from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. We're doing that today. Actually, we started yesterday, and then picking up today, we're doing a special Independence Day celebration uh, from a TBN special that David and Tim Barton did, and we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. This is actually a three-part Independence Day special. And so you, if you missed yesterday, you definitely want to go to wobblerslive.com and listen to that program. It's available right now on the website. And then today, of course, we get the middle part of that. Tomorrow we'll get the conclusion and then encourage you to celebrate all week this wonderful freedom that we enjoy. We'll dive right into where we left off yesterday. You're listening to Wobblers Live. We're in Princeton, New Jersey, and this is the home of Richard Stockton. He's one of the signers of the Declaration from New Jersey. When he got back, his library had been burned by the British. He had one of the greatest legal collections in the state. They had taken his horses. They, they butchered his livestock. He had nothing but desolation when he got back. And, and so he's back, and he has six kids. He's dying. He knows it. And he knows his kids are about to be fatherless. So what do he do? What he did was, in his last will and testament, he starts it. He says, as my children shall have frequent occasion in perusing this document and may wonder as to the beliefs of their father, he then went through and listed all the doctrines of Christianity all the necessity of living a moral life, how it's important in this life, and that he just gave fatherly guidance to his kids that are about to be without their father. Great leader, great attorney. He was on the Supreme Court here in New Jersey, but a great story of Richard Stockton. We're in Quincy, Massachusetts, actually at the home of John and Abigail Adams. Now, John and Abigail Adams, probably more notable names when it comes to the founding era, although probably most Americans couldn't tell a lot about their story. Well, John Adams specifically, he was born in 1735. He was a descendant of both pilgrims and Puritans. So really cool family history, fun family tree. As a young man, he was very engaged in the culture around him, got involved in politics, decides he wants to become a lawyer and becomes a lawyer. He meets a young woman named Abigail Smith and thinks this woman's really impressive. I need to know her more. Well, her father was one of the local pastors. John Adams becomes so impressed with Abigail, they end up getting married. Together they have six children, although one daughter actually died when she was one year old and, and one daughter was stillborn. So for the survived, one son goes on to become the sixth president of the United States, John Quincy Adams. But in 1770 was the infamous Boston Massacre. Now, there was already some tension with the Americans and British anyway, but when the massacre happened, it really brought unrest between the Americans and British. And the Americans were so frustrated, they wanted to execute the officer and the soldiers involved. Well, John Adams was a lawyer. In fact, he was a lawyer tasked with defending the British in this scenario, which no American was proud of. In fact, they were very frustrated, but John Adams did it with great integrity. Now, John Adams actually argued the case so well that the officer and the soldiers got off free, which again, no American was happy about, although they at least had the understanding and integrity to recognize it wasn't John Adams trying to defend them because he liked what they did. It was rather a condition of the law, and John Adams wanted justice. Well, the people actually supported John Adams enough that John Adams was then elected to become part of their General Assembly that same year. Well, shortly after that, 1774, is when there's the first Continental Congress. And this is where the very first time you have people from all 13 colonies coming together trying to figure out what's going on in the midst of the problems with the British. 
What's during these Congresses as they're meeting together, John Adams actually proposes that George Washington be the commander of chief. He says that man from Virginia ought to be our commander. Well, as John Adams continues on, he stays involved in this political realm. In fact, he becomes known as one of the Sons of Liberty. In the midst of this, in 1776, he was put on the Committee of Five that was tasked with drafting the Declaration of Independence. And although Thomas Jefferson really is the guy who did the writing of the Declaration, when they brought back the Declaration and presented it to the rest of Congress, John Adams was a chief advocate. He was the one encouraging the rest of the congressmen, we have to get this done. We need the Declaration, we need this now. So he became the leader on the floor of actually getting the Declaration passed. The following year in 1777, he was appointed by Congress to go over to Europe and actually spent the next many years in Europe trying to negotiate an end to the war with Britain, working with France, working in Holland. In 1788, he resigned his post in Europe and came back to America. Now, while he was in Europe, they actually did the Constitution. So he had nothing to do with the Constitution, although when he returned, he did write in favor, supporting the Constitution. He said, as great as what we need to do, well, the following year, he becomes the first vice president of the United States under the first president, George Washington, and he serves in that post for eight years. At the end of eight years, he then was chosen to be the second president of the United States. Now, his vice president was Thomas Jefferson, and it was unique because at that point, you didn't pick your vice president. The vice president was the person who got the second most votes. So Thomas Jefferson had run against him, so they were not political friends. Well, at the end of his first term, Thomas Jefferson decides that he wants to be president and and so John Adams loses in his bid to become a president for a second term. At this point, he decides 1801, he's gonna retire from public life. He's served for so many years. He comes back to this home again in Quincy, Massachusetts. Well, even though they had great disagreements throughout their political career, at the end of their life, he and Jefferson became friends. Quite uniquely, on the 50th anniversary of the Declaration, July 4th, 1826, he and Thomas Jefferson, both being friends, both died on that day. On the morning of the 50th anniversary, John Adams wasn't able to get out of bed. His family, friends recognized this is probably the end of his life. They gathered around the bed and they asked if he would like to propose a toast. So John Adams raised his glass and his last words were independence forever. We're in Holtpool, New Jersey. And this is the home of John Hart, one of the signers of the Declaration from New Jersey. Now, he was actually one of the older signers. He was in his upper 60s when he signed the Declaration, and he was a favorite of all of his neighbors. Now, he had a farm here. There's 400 acres here. He loved farming. He loved being outdoors. And his neighbors loved him because he always did what was right. Matter of fact, they called him Honest John Hart. And they so trusted him that for nearly 20 years, they elected him to local offices in the state legislature, and he just did what was right time after time. Well, when he signed the Declaration of Independence, that certainly made the British mad at him, and so they wanted him, and they wanted him bad. When word came that the British were coming, he was in his house at the bedside of his wife, who was sick and was dying. He had 13 kids, he had all the responsibilities of the farm, but the neighbors come and say, you gotta leave. The British are, are just around the corner, you gotta go. And his friends and neighbors get him out of the house just before the British arrive. And, and so as it turns out, his wife actually ended up dying. He wasn't there when she did. And the British hunted him for the next several months all over the state. And amazingly, he never spent two nights in a row in the same place. He would sleep in a, in a cave or sleep under a, a creek bank. He even said that there were times he would crawl in where dogs were sleeping and sleep there with the dogs like in a dog house. And for a year, this man in his upper 60s was living in all this rough area and the British were chasing him. Well, when the British finally left the area, he returns home. His kids have been scattered. His estate has been 
pillaged. All of his livestock has been butchered. It's just been desolated. And his wife is now gone. And it hurt him so much and, and really just weighed on him that he never recovered from it. He died before the end of the American Revolution. But he was a strong Christian man as well as a strong patriot. He was a Baptist, and that was pretty unusual in this part of the country at the time. And he actually gave the land to the Baptist church for them to have their meeting house and for them to have their cemetery. He's actually buried in that cemetery. It turns out that's the first Baptist meeting house that's built in America for a place of worship. So with John Hart, you have a signer of the Declaration who's a great patriot, strong family man, has a great sacrifice that he paid, and he's a strong man of faith. This is like many of the Founding Fathers. friends, this is Tim Barton of Wall Builders. This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even heroes of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, the book of Hebrews, it has the Faith Hall of Fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. And this collection includes people like Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman, Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read, and it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com. Anybody that signed the declaration? John Hancock. Exactly. Yeah, he was, and who was John Hancock? He was the president of Congress. You're brilliant, right? <laughs> You're so smart. Do you know anybody else that signed the declaration? Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin did sign. Okay, so we have two. There's 54 left. Can you name anybody that signed it? Uh, George Washington. Was the commander of the military. George Washington. It's a really good guess. He was the commander of the military. Hancock. Yeah. Uh... Franklin did? G-dubs? George Washington do it? Was he involved? So he actually signed the Constitution. Can you name any people that signed it? John Hancock. Of course. Um, Thomas Jefferson. Of course. John Adams. Yes. George Washington. No? Did the Constitution. Hancock. John Hancock, yeah. Mm -hmm. John Hancock. Absolutely. Um, John Hancock. Absolutely. John Hancock, who was born about 100 yards up the street from there. Absolutely. As we know, Robert Treat Payne, a fellow named Fairfield. Uh, I don't know if Benji signed it. I'm sure John Adams signed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right, we want to welcome you guys watching today. Welcome the audience. Thank you guys for being here. We're going to start talking about signers of the Declaration as we celebrate 4th of July. Probably the most famous signature 
on the declaration is this guy's up here, John Hancock, right? John Hancock's a name. Most people have seen the signature. Most people have a general understanding of the name, but probably not a lot about the person or the character. Uh, John Hancock was the president of Congress during the revolution. He was one of the guys who was part of the Sons of Liberty, but he also became the first governor of the state of Massachusetts. Under the king, the king appointed all the governors. So once we separated in 1776, at that point, all the states began electing their own leaders. Well, John Hancock, was chosen to be the first governor of Massachusetts. And one of the things he did was a practice actually that goes all the way back to the time of the pilgrims. And every spring, the pilgrims would do a day of prayer and fasting, asking for God to send the rain, right? Help grow the crops. Well, every single fall, they would do a Thanksgiving day and let's thank God for what he's done. Well, John Hancock follows that up. In fact, this is one of the original John Hancock Thanksgiving proclamations. He had 22 different prayer proclamations as governor, calling on people to recognize God, to thank God for God's provision, for what God had done for them. Well, this one is actually a unique Thanksgiving proclamation because in this proclamation, it actually happens in, at the bottom, it says on the eighth day of November and the year of our Lord, 1780. So it's 1780. What happened that year prior to this was actually the revelation of the traitor Benedict Arnold, where they find out the mission that's going on, this plot to overthrow Washington and West Point and really try to end the revolution. Well, one of the things he says is that we are thankful for the watchful providence and rescuing the person of our commander in chief and the army from imminent danger at the moment when treason was ripe and for execution. On he goes. What's interesting to me though, is, is this isn't just some thing that every, every fall we have this arbitrary thanksgiving to God, he's actually noting specific details. So even like we would talk about in our life, what can we be thankful for? What has God done for us? He's literally looking at things happening around him and saying, we need to thank God for what God is doing. Well, that's what happened in the fall. He also has- They did that with prayer and fasting. This is one of his prayer and fasting proclamations. You go through, he's got the state of Massachusetts praying and fasting for specific things. I mean, that's, that's what you see in the fasting proclamations as well. Well, and this is one of his fasting proclamations. And this is also interesting to me because not only is he calling them to fast, which certainly is a, a spiritual thing that Christians, right, we're kind of called to do at times. One of the things he says about this is that we need to implore the divine forgiveness through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Ooh. That now that sounds a, Christian. Yeah, that's a big deal because right today, everybody knows the name John Hancock, but most people have heard the founding fathers were atheists mm -hmm. or they're agnostics or they're deists. Well, atheists, agnostics, and deists don't talk about the fact that we need the forgiveness through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Not only does he believe in Jesus, he's saying that we need, right, we need Jesus in our life. We need that and recognizes him as Savior. Well, John Hancock is one of those names that certainly is well known. People don't know a lot about him. One of the cool things we actually have is there's been a reprint of a lot of those original prayer proclamations. So really fun, right? So if, if parents want to help their kids see some of these old things, or if you're a teacher or a homeschool parent, um, but there's a lot of these proclamations. So actually at, at wallbuilders.com, you can go and you can see some of these. Hi friends, this is Tim Barton of Wall Builders. 
This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even Hebrews of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, to the book of Hebrews, it has the Faith Hall of Fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. And this collection includes people like Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman, Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read, and it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com. This is one of the examples from, from Founding Fathers, certainly names we recognize, and, but and don't the, know much of their story. Well, we don't know much of the story or even the culture back then, what happened, because as governor of the state of Massachusetts, where he issued these 22 proclamations, there's, this is not quite as big as those proclamations, but right up top, it's got the big title that says Sermon, and then right under that, it says John Hancock. And it's not that he preached a sermon, it's that every year, the governor, Governor Hancock, would bring in a preacher to preach to the entire state government. And so he and the lieutenant governor and the House and the Senate, they all get together. And that's how they started every legislative session was with a preacher giving them guidance on, oh, if you're looking at education this year, here's what you need to know out of the scriptures. You're looking at taxes, here's what you need to know. Looking at military. So... There's a lot of sermons with John Hancock's name on them because he brought preachers in and had preachers preach, which was a custom in Massachusetts and a lot of the Northeastern colonies. So not only was he a guy who was obviously open to faith and religion and, and, and doing proclamations as governor, he's a guy who says, I want to know what, what the Bible says. I want pastors come teach me. So he's also being mentored by pastors, which is also kind of a cool deal. We don't hear about today, but, but John Hancock, again, it's a name we know. Mm -hmm. We just don't always know a lot about him. Another name. That is, is really well known today is Sam Adams. Although probably the reason he's most known today is probably not really who he was and what he did. There's, what, what, what do you know about Sam Adams? What's, what's kind today. of the number one thing with the name association? Alcohol, right? He's the beer guy, right? That's what he's known as. Although he had a, a different title for, for generations. He was known as the father of the revolution. The reason he was known as the father of the revolution, he was a guy back early 1770s, he's already saying, we need to get the British off our backs, we need some freedom, this tyrannical king. He is already fighting for freedom on a lot of levels. In fact, one of the things that he was very heavily involved in, he, he's one of the guys who leads the Sons of Liberty. Now the Sons of Liberty were well known for things like the Boston Tea Party, which actually... And everybody knows what a tea bag is, and we think the Boston Tea Party, they threw a bunch of tea bags in the harbor. That's tea. That's this is a tea block. So on the back, you actually can break off a block of it, and then you would scrape to get the amount of tea you need, right? And you can take that tea. Well, so the, the Sons of Liberty, they dressed up as Indians so as not to identify themselves, although I don't know how well they disguised themselves. Like, probably, like, well, he took off his shirt, but that's still Sam Adams, right? Like, I, probably they still could find you. Nonetheless, they dress up, and they're throwing blocks of tea into the harbor. Well, most people have heard of the Boston Tea Party. Well, Sam Adams, he and John Hancock were both leaders of the Sons of Liberty, but Sam Adams is really the guy helping lead a lot of this. And, the, you know, you mentioned Hancock and Adams together, and 
and, and they were both governors of Massachusetts, but there's a big difference between the guys. I mean, you got them here side by side. He's one of the wealthiest guys in America, hands down. Not him. I mean, he is so poor that when he got elected to the Continental Congress, he didn't even have a suit of clothes. His neighbors got together and took up a collection and said, Let's buy Sam some socks and some new pants and a shirt. I mean, he's going to Congress. Let's so, have yeah, so literally, they, they said he's our, he's our best speaker. He's the one that will represent us the best. But the only suit he had is what he wore and had holes in it. He had a pair of stockings with holes in it. So they took up a collection. They bought him five pair of new stockings. They bought him a new suit. But then the problem is he's still got to get from Massachusetts down to where Congress is meeting. So they actually wrote to his cousin, John Adams, and said, could your cousin borrow a horse? Apparently, they didn't even have a horse in the town they could loan him. They're using them to work on the farms. And so he has to borrow a horse just to be able to not have to walk to get to the Continental Congress. So yeah, he's an example of, we often hear today, well, there are these really rich white guys. Well, there were some guys that were rich, but certainly that's a stereotype that's yeah. not accurate to all of the them. The founding fathers really were typical Americans. They were rich, they were poor, some were old, some were young. There were all sorts of denominations. Lawyers, among doctors, them. Teachers, right. teachers, teachers, farmers, across Everything. the board. Hey friends, if you've been listening to Wall Builders Live for very long at all, you know how much we respect our veterans and how appreciative we are of the sacrifice they make to make our freedoms possible. One of the ways that we love to honor those veterans is to tell their stories here on Wall Builders Live. Once in a while we get an opportunity to interview Veterans that have served on those front lines, that have made incredible sacrifices, have amazing stories that we want to share with the American people. One of the very special things we get to do is interview World War II veterans. You've heard those interviews here on Wall Builders Live, from folks that were in the Band of Brothers to folks like Edgar Harrell that survived the Indianapolis to so many other great stories you've heard on Wall Builders Live. You have friends and family that also serve. If you have World War II veterans in your family that you would like to have their story shared here on Wall Builders Live, please email us at radio at wallbuilders.com, radio at wallbuilders.com. Give us a brief summary of the story, and we'll set up an interview. Thanks so much for sharing here on Wall Builders Live. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. The year after the American War for Independence ended, we began addressing the issue of Muslim terrorists in North Africa who were attacking American ships and killing and enslaving American seamen. Congress dispatched John Adams and Thomas Jefferson to negotiate peace, and when they asked the Muslim ambassador the reason for the unprovoked attacks, he told them that it was written in their Koran, that it was their right and duty to make war upon them whenever they could be found. 16 years of negotiations failed, and in 1801, America sent its military to crush the terrorists. When that war ended in 1805, the first American edition of the Koran was published, urging Americans to read the Koran to see for themselves that his teachings were incompatible with the safety and peace of non-Muslims. To see the first American Koran and to get more information about America's first war on Islamic terror, go to wallbuilders.com. So what happens is on the 4th of July is when Congress approved the Declaration of Independence. But this, the copy we see with all those signatures on it, that wasn't done till August the 2nd, because they said, 
hey, let's do a big one we can all sign, because the one on the 4th of July only has two names on it, and that's the President of Congress and the Secretary of Congress. But then they do this big one, and on the day they did that, August the 2nd, this piece is released. And this is a piece that is done by Sam Adams, attributed to Sam Adams. I'll just read you here. It says, an oration delivered at the State House in Philadelphia, which is where they did the declaration, a very numerous audience on Thursday, the 1st of August, 1776, by Samuel Adams, member of the General Congress. This is the day before the, the big declaration is, is generally signed. I want to read to you what Sam says here. What are they saying about this day and about the specialness of the day? He said, we have this day, and think of the significance of that day, we have this day restored the sovereign to whom alone men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven and with a propitious eye beholds his subjects, affirming that freedom of thought and dignity of self-direction which he bestowed on them. From the rising to the setting of the sun, may his kingdom come. Pretty powerful statement for what they did on that day and what they were doing at that period of time. I mean, that's well, a really... Especially recognizing that at that time, right, the king was generally recognized as being the sovereign, right? Appointed by God, representing God. And he says, no, 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 we've put the actual sovereign back in place, right? That's who we're actually submitting to. Well, the other founding fathers said that Sam Adams was the most openly Christian of all the founding fathers. I mean, he wore it on his sleeve, literally. He was what today we would call an evangelical. And people know that he was the beer guy, but they don't know about his faith. Although it's very evident when you see their writings. Yeah, another guy that's really key among the founding fathers is this one. This is Charles Carroll of Carrollton. Now, interesting, he signs the Declaration Charles Carroll of Carrollton, and that's because there were nine Charles Carrolls living at the time in his area. So he's the one from Carrollton, and that's the, the, the town and area, and that, that's his place. And this is one of the documents from him. Mr. Charles Carroll of Carrollton, to the trustees of the Catholic Cathedral Church. He's the only Catholic signer of the Declaration of Independence. Now, this actually is, he's, he's renting his pew. One of the ways you helped fund the church back then was not only in tithes, and, and today we have customs, if you go to church much, you know where people generally sit. Well, back then you actually kind of bought the seat where you sat. Our friends, we are out of time for today and not through with our Independence Day celebration. So let's make sure that uh, you join us tomorrow for the conclusion of the Independence Day programming that we've been having throughout the week. And, of course, today was was the Independence Day special that David and Tim Barton did uh, for their TBN special, and it's available online right now if you want to go watch the video or you can listen to yesterday's program in our archive section there at wobbleslive.com and then today's program and tomorrow, that three pieces, uh, those three pieces when you put them together is the entire program and we'll have it available to you at wallbuilderslive.com as always. Also want to encourage you while you're at wallbuilderslive.com, they're on the website. Click on that donate button and celebrate July 4th. Celebrate our independence and our freedom by actually doing what the founding fathers did. Giving of your life, your fortune, and your sacred honor. Investing in freedom. It takes dollars to make this program happen. We're a listener-supported program and your contributions every time it's helping to spread the word. It's helping to equip and train citizens to preserve liberty. It helps us train pastors, young leaders, legislators, all these different things we're doing. It's because of your help. So thank you so much for investing in freedom by donating to Wall Builders. Right now today at wallbuilderslive.com, click on that donate button. Be sure you're teaching your family this week how we became free. Take some time out of your schedule and your celebration to actually talk about freedom and the importance of being good citizens. We sure appreciate you listening today. We'll pick up where we left off today with our conclusion tomorrow on our Independence Day special programming. Thanks for listening to Wobble Live. 
stand undivided.